0: This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that speeds through the mile markers of history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier and today, we're looking at an important event in automotive history, a thrilling race through Chicago at white-knuckle speeds of up to seven miles per hour. Hold on to your hats, everybody. The day was November 28, 1895. The first American auto race took place in Chicago, Illinois, with six racers competing in custom handcrafted cars. The 50-plus mile race began in downtown Chicago and sent drivers all the way to Evanston and back again. The race was sponsored by the local Times-Herald newspaper and was open to all qualifying vehicles, whether they were powered by gas, electricity, or steam. The Times-Herald put up $5,000 in prize money, which would be more than $150,000 today. Interestingly enough, the Times-Herald also offered $500 to the reader who suggested the best replacement term for automobile. Apparently, the newspaper's publisher, H.H. Colesott, thought that automobile sounded, quote, too Frenchy. The winning replacement word was motorcycle. That's motorcycle without the R. So anytime you hear that term today, just think car. As you probably figured out, this was early days for the automobile. So early that even the name wasn't settled on. In 1895, most people had never seen a horseless carriage, and even fewer had driven or ridden in one. Those who had weren't big fans either. The noise and smell of an engine powered vehicle convinced many people they were better off without it. In fact, opposition to cars was so rampant in American cities that when pedestrians saw someone driving a car, they would yell, Get a horse! Of course, not everyone looked down on this new form of transportation. Early gearheads and aspiring car makers found a new hobby in building engines and mounting them to different kinds of carriages. There was no mass manufacturing of cars at the time. Innovations like the assembly line and the Model T were still over a decade away. Instead, the vehicles were hand assembled by the people who believed most in the car's potential. Racing these machines was a natural extension of that passion. The world's first car race had taken place earlier that summer in France, and American car enthusiasts thought that kind of excitement was just what they needed to win over the public back home. H. H. Colsot was one of those true believers. He announced that the Times-Herald race would be held, quote, in the belief that the invention and coming perfection of vehicle motors is destined to work a revolution in road transportation. In that sense, the motorcycle race in 1895 wasn't just a competition, it was a way to prove that cars were a safe and reliable way to travel. Kolsat wanted as many people as possible to see the demonstration, so he originally planned the race for the 4th of July. However, most competitors couldn't be ready by then, so the date was ultimately pushed all the way to Thanksgiving. That gave the drivers plenty of time to build and test their vehicles, but the rescheduling failed to consider what the weather would be in Chicago in late November. When the big day arrived, there was a good 5 inches of slush on the streets, left over from a snowstorm two days earlier. The weather was below freezing and the wind coming off the water in Jackson Park made it even colder. Needless to say, Colesot didn't get the big holiday crowd he had hoped for. Reports of the true crowd size vary, but most accounts say there were a few hundred spectators at the start of the race, with most of them leaving once it was underway. In the end, only six cars made it to the starting line that chilly morning. Four of those vehicles were gas-powered. The first was an American car that had been built by brothers Charles and Frank Durier, with Frank in the driver's seat. The other three gas vehicles were all built by German automaker Carl Benz. One of them was sponsored by the De La Verne Refrigerator Company, another raced for Macy's department store, and the last had a private family sponsor. The final two entries were powered by electricity, but due to the limitations of their batteries and the cold weather, both cars dropped out fairly soon into the race. No steam-powered cars competed that day, though they probably would have had a tough time in the cold as well. The race began at 8.55 a.m. with a staggered start. Frank Duryea set out first, and then the other drivers followed, with one-minute intervals between each departure. Unfortunately, the final driver had a hard time getting his gas vehicle started, and by the time he finally joined the race over an hour later, only a dozen or so fans were left to cheer him on. The good news for that late driver was that the race wasn't a traditional dash to the finish line. The drivers were individually timed from the moment they departed, and each car had a referee riding along to deduct time for any obstacles they encountered such as railroad crossings. With a top speed of about 7 miles per hour, the 50-plus mile race dragged on well into the evening. By 6.30 p.m., a series of mechanical failures had left just two cars in the race, Frank Durier and a Benz driver named Oscar Mueller. Durier was in the lead and nearing the finish line, although few besides reporters would be on hand to see his victory. According to Colsott, the drivers acted as their own cheerleaders instead. As he put it, quote, Lacking spectators, except here and there a solitary workman on his way home, the men on the motor gave vent to war whoops, cheers, catcalls, and other manifestations of joy over the victory they were winning. Finally, at 7.18 p.m., Frank Duryea became the first to cross the finish line. All told, he had driven 52.4 miles in 10 hours and 23 minutes. It may have taken a while, but Duryea didn't seem to mind. He was just happy to prove that his car could go the distance. He said, quote, The motor had at all times shown ample power, and at no time were we compelled to get out and push. The only other remaining driver, Oscar Mueller, arrived two hours after Durier. However, by then, he wasn't the one doing the driving. His referee had been forced to take over after Mueller passed out from the cold. The freezing driver did make a full recovery, and since he technically came in second, he took home $1,500 in prize money for his trouble. His experience also helped squash the idea of racing so late in the year. The country's next auto race would be held on a balmy Memorial Day weekend. So with just two finishing drivers and barely any spectators, the first American automobile race wasn't a total success. But it still helped prove the potential of cars to a decreasingly skeptical public. A day after the race, several Midwest newspapers ran the same predictive headline. It read three short words. Horse is doomed. I'm Gabe Luzier and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, come find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any feedback or thoughts you'd like to share, you can always write to us at, this day at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.